0: Welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, presented by Social Media Today, where we talk to brands you know and love, who are laser-focused on using social media to deliver amazing customer experiences. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dan Gingus and Dan Moriarty.
1: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Episode 21 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast. We're very happy to have you with us. This, as always, is Dan Gingus, and I am joined with my British friend, Dan Moriarty.
2: Hey Dan, how you doing, mate?
1: Doing wonderful and looking forward to another great episode.
2: Absolutely. And I'm super excited tonight that we've got David Toll on from Jack Threads, who is the customer engagement manager over there. And David and I met each other at a conference recently, and I think he's a super smart guy that's gonna have a bunch of really interesting things to say tonight. So how you doing, David? Oh, fantastic. You are entirely too kind, Dan. Thank you both for having me. Well, we kind of have to say that at the start, to be honest, but we'll let everyone oh, right their, hands there. Up as we go along.
1: We always all like each other at the beginning of the podcast. That's what happens <laughs> at the end.
0: That's yes, I was just thinking. If you still feel that way at the end, we'll call it a success. It'll be good.
2: <laughs> and if not, we can just edit it out. Perfect. I like that. Uh, well, listen, David, why don't you jump in and just give a quick explanation of who Jack Threads are and what you guys do?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So we uh started off about 7 years ago as a, a flash sale site when that was uh when that boom was happening. And we recently transitioned away from that model into uh positioning ourselves as a unique men's fashion destination, you know, targeting guys 18 to 50 and uh, trying to carve out a niche for that, you know, that everyday guy, you know, who's not a fashion elite but who needs a place to go where he can figure out how to get the best bang for his buck, look sharp. So we just released our first ever private collection uh, about a month ago. It's doing great. I have one of the daily sweaters myself, and I love it. I wear it all the time. I have one of our puffer jackets coming in the mail by the end of the week. I'm looking forward to getting that, too. That's the space that we're in, and because we're a relatively new business, we're basically born social. We had a social media customer service footprint before we had an 800 number, for example, So it's really exciting to grow along with the company and see our social media customer service team grow along with it into a larger social customer engagement team that not only supports customers who have service issues over Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, but gets involved in proactive engagements as well, sometimes related directly to the brand, sometimes related more to the lifestyle themes that connect our guys and connect us to our guys so uh yeah it's a busy time of year heading into the holiday season and lots changing with the business but that element has been consistent we've been social and we've used that as a way to engage with our guys in unique and exciting ways
1: i love that you say you were born social i think you're the first brand to say anything like that i think that's really interesting and i i want to come back to it but I do sure. want to make sure that our audience also knows you a little bit. So tell us just quickly kind of where did you come from? How did you end up at Jack Threads?
0: Oh, man. You know, the usual story. Guy moves to Columbus, Ohio to start a career in nonprofit theater, gets a day job at a startup called Jack Threads, and then transitions into a career in e-commerce, retail, social media, customer service. You'd have heard it a million times. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I was. Uh, my wife and I are both theater artists as far as our training goes and our education but as Jack Thread's grew the story i usually tell is is, is my wife coming in on day 2 of my time there and uh, she brought some cookies and uh she came back to our little customer service cubicle in the back passing by this is back when all everything with Jack Thread's was in Columbus you know now the business is headquartered in new york and and customer service is still in columbus ohio but you know she's walking through this very very authentic startup feel kind of office there's models taking shirts off and putting them back on and the ceo is on his bluetooth and the merchandisers are there making deals on the phone and she you know navigates all of them dodges people bringing the cookies back to us and leans in real close to me and says you know you're not cool enough to work here right and i said i I know know." (laughs) it's okay i'm acting (laughs) it's it's true when we got a chance to interact on, on social media, I, I talked to the head of marketing who's a brilliant copywriter, really funny, engaging guy, a real smart guy. And we talked about, hey, if, if we in customer service are going to start behaving as the brand on social and speaking as the brand, I, I want to figure out what the character is. you know, like What kind of objectives does the brand have? What tactics are acceptable? I'm coming at it like uh, the way I would have approached a role, you know, trained in, in Stanislavski, Meisner, things like that you know, in doing so built out a way for me to speak as the brand, beyond just, oh, these are some of the things that the brand says, and here are some words you can use, and, you know, here, you know, just just be cool, you know, just sound like them. Like, no, like let's build some expectations around it so that we can replicate it and train other associates on it. So we've basically followed that model and tried to expand it to a point where we can do what I did at scale. And train our customer service team to approach it as a role, and basically to be marketers instead of trying to siphon conversations over to marketing, we handle all of the engagement on our end, and you know while I don't expect our customer service associates to be sitting there thinking about, you know what's my objective, what tactic am I going to use here like no, they're going with their gut but the methodology of approaching the brand voice kind of like uh, an actor would a character helps us to define expectations and have supportive conversations when there are opportunities to, to improve as far as engagement goes. So we have a lot of support from our company leadership that this lives in customer service. They've traditionally been really excited about it and excited about ways that we can keep expanding on it so that we're not just being reactive, but uh, proactive.
1: So we interviewed a brand early on in our podcast called ModCloth, which aims at uh, women. And it was a very funny interview because Dan and I were completely lost for most of it because none of the products appealed to us. And I'm sitting here as you're talking, looking at your website, and I really like the stuff on there. And I can relate to it a lot better, obviously, because it's men's clothing and accessories. But can you tell us a little bit more about sort of, you talked a little bit about the target audience, but tell me what you're trying to achieve in terms of look and kind of, what kind of a style are we going for so that, that people can understand it we're listening a little bit better?
0: Yeah, I feel like we're in a good spot to speak about that. We actually just had our creative director, Tony Creton come out to our contact center in Columbus, and he spent a good amount of time, not just with with us in the customer service leadership team, but actually with our associates as well he's I think he spent about four hours on his feet pitching the brand to our team on the front lines at the way he would investors you know and a lot of these guys were seasonal, but they really have an appreciation for the fact that we're speaking to you know a pretty high percentage of their customers, so you know we've been able to learn a lot directly from them. The vision is. Based on the idea that there's very few places where guys today can go that are just focused on them. You know, when you think about the people in the marketplace who really are providing a great experience for guys when it comes to fashion, when it comes to retail, they're doing it, but very few of them are doing it exclusively for guys. I think of places like Nordstrom, J. Crew. You know, even if the experience is great and uh, provides the guy with what he needs, you know, there's always that element in which you're not the main focus of the brand, right? They're they're because they're you know marketing to women as well uh, there's a risk that we could become kind of an afterthought so the style of our guy is it rooted a lot in the history of the business the guy who founded it jason ross he founded it as a flash sale site looking for primarily streetwear brands you know brands that were reticent to engage in a flash sale model because it, it could damage their brand integrity they wanted to make sure they still had basically their their credibility intact and jack threads originally gave those brands a place to Provide an outlet for any extra inventory they had, it, you know, capitalize on flash sales in the way that everybody else was while still maintaining that brand integrity. So, you know, this guy is is rooted in streetwear, but watching the brand grow up, it's been a really cool opportunity to watch the style grow up, too, and get a little less flashy, a little less runway, and a little more everyday guy. know because that guy who shopped on jack threads five years ago we've seen a lot of them grow up they were buying graphic tees and and you know colorful joggers three or four years ago and now they're going to weddings and job interviews and, and they need a suit they need clothes that can let them be who they are and you know express themselves as unique individuals but that can be versatile and play a variety of roles in their life so the, you know, if you, if you check out the puffer vests and jackets on the site, that's a great example. It's, it's the kind of thing that you see that you can layer with a variety of, of different types of outerwear. We encourage our guys to wear their blazers, you know, we, yeah, you know, wear it as a suit. But, you know, when, when you look at the lifestyle shots on the site, it is all about trying to turn it up a little bit and not just wear it with jeans wear it with joggers wear it with some kicks wear it with some bands so that's why we've also positioned the private collection alongside brands that we love like Vans like Publish like Burton brands with whom we will frequently continue to collaborate with in the future you know we're kind of past the point where I think you can expect a guy to find a brand and be like that's it that's me head to toe I don't buy anything else except for X brand I just that guy doesn't really exist anymore So by identifying some of those key brands that we love, we can help position ourselves in the marketplace alongside them. And so that guy knows, cool, I'm into all those and I can make sure that this Jack Threads collection matches up with everything else that I've got. At the core of it, it is this kind of experience of becoming and, and maturation, you know, that this is a look that can, you know, help you still be you wherever you go, whatever situation you're in, whatever you need to. To wear this too you can wear this same blazer
2: to work as you can out of the bar later and still be totally comfortable hold on david you said something now i've got to call you on yeah yeah thick tees on for growing ups no, 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 no. That is my go-to. Fair Look. enough, fair enough. So I should say exclusively graphic tees, right? No, hey, oh I wear pants as well. Pants <laughs> occasion. I really want to hear more about your role at Jack Threads and the team you oversee. You've mentioned some interesting stuff already about you guys being based in Columbus, Ohio, but the headquarters in New York. So can you talk a little bit about, about your role, the team, and kind of how you work within the organisation?
0: Yeah, really my primary role in the organization is to manage the training, learning and career development for everybody on the customer service team, full-time, part-time, supervisors, this point in time, you know, anywhere from 40 to to 60 people depending on seasonality. That's the core of my role and it's the part of the job that I love the most is is helping people to learn and and develop and grow in their careers at Jack Threads or elsewhere. You know, we got a lot of folks who this is their job is helping them get to the next thing. And we're, we're super supportive of that. So social media customer service, you know, is a corner of, of my world in some regards. It's one of the reasons why bringing a technology partner like Converse Social in made a lot of sense because I wanted us to be able to do it at scale without it being, we don't have the volume yet for it to be a, a full time role to manage it. So as a result, it's it's a way for our team to kind of level up, you know, as I'm watching somebody grow and develop on uh, on the team if they demonstrate over our primary core channels uh, live chat phone email that you know I'm, i'm seeing the work they're doing and saying man that is really good stuff you understand our guy you get the brand voice you've got a servant's heart you know how to do the right thing for our customers this needs to be in public i want everyone to see this i want this to be something that we can show our customers our partners and everyone else in our team to say, like, this, this is how you do it. This is who we are. So it becomes a really great way for our team to level up on their way through the organization, whether it's they want to move on to a lead position here or if they're looking for something else, if they if they have a career path outside of Jack Threads. So it creates a really healthy stable of associates who are motivated to succeed on social, not just from a, a service level perspective, but from you know a quality of engagement perspective as well.
1: So let's get back to this idea of you being born social. Tell me, how does that affect how the company has grown up and maybe how you train your agents?
0: It makes it really easy for us to remind everybody that anything you write, anything you say has the potential to go viral, right? I mean, that doesn't surprise anybody in our organization. You know, nobody's sitting around shaking their heads going, man, you know, like, didn't used to be like this. Now, it's always been like that for us. And we try to turn it on its head and try instead of trying to avoid the next social media crisis. You know, we bring people in on day one and say our expectations are that your service will be tweet worthy. I expect people to tweet about the work that you do. I expect them to get on there and say, I can't believe Jack the just did this for me. And, man, I I can't believe that I didn't think they'd be able to go this far for me. But they did. And they exceeded My expectations were, man, the person was so human, so friendly, it felt like I was talking to my buddy. That's from day one, from the very beginning, we're training everybody, whether they're engaging directly on social or not, to provide that kind of quality, that, that level of engagement. So that helps, but I, I think it's also helped in, in terms of our relationships with our partners around the business, that we everybody sees social as a viable mouthpiece for the customer and we have a really strong cadence of uh, passing on the voice of the customer through social measuring sentiment and using it as a way to find out what our guys need what they're responding to along with with everything else we look at in terms of voice of the customer so and we've done a few things over time to respond to things that customers have pointed out on social media so yeah we've got a good history of passing on the voice of the customer one of the most potent examples i can think of being in a social space we actually were an early partner with Facebook on uh, promoted posts and it was one of the ways that we saw a pretty significant spike in in membership and growth a couple of years ago as a result Uh, but it's also helped us evolve the way and put those engagement opportunities out there you know for a long time if and this might have happened to one of you guys if if you wound up getting targeted in there you'd be scrolling through your Facebook app and you'd see this post about Jack Threads and say well that looks pretty cool I'm going to go check that out and as soon as you click on it there's an invitation to create a membership provide your email address and you're required to put that information in before you can look at the merchandise which actually isn't the experience you had if you were going to visit just jackthreads.com. You'd be able to exit out of that invite and browse freely before creating an account. Currently, we do offer guest checkout as well. So, you know, this was always kind of a pain point for customers on social media. And uh, tracking it over time, we were able to, you know, make a pretty convincing case as far as sentiment, right? Like no no matter what the ROI is on these forced sign-up ads, Here's some examples of of customers you're driving away. Here's the impact that it has on social sentiment. And over time, we actually were able to build a strong enough case to the marketing team that they moved away from that and changed the ad so that you don't have to sign up for an account before viewing. You can just skip right ahead to it. You know, that was one where the ROI became more about, like, what story are we telling on social and what kind of experience are we were providing these guys this kind of first impression. And certainly, you know, we, we put numbers around it. But uh, that was a very raw example of what kind of social behavior are we seeing? What are customers saying they want? And and then, you know, it was really gratifying to see that response in there. And it was one of those things that everybody in the business agreed, like, yeah, you know, that would be let's let's figure out a way to fix that experience And being able to keep that consistent drumbeat of here's how it impacted sentiment this week, that week. Okay, yeah, we need to go ahead and make this move.
1: So what kinds of things are your customers or prospects talking to you about on social media?
0: It almost exclusively is about the product. You have people wondering where their order is or people who want to conduct an exchange over Twitter. But for the most part, it's people engaging on the product what they like about it, questions they have about it, which as an e-commerce-only entity, we don't have any brick-and-mortar locations. We just are about to close our first pop-up in Soho. So we we had our first physical location for the past three weeks, but you know it was a try-before-you-buy in-store experience, right? There's nowhere currently that a customer can go to say, hey, I got this. It didn't fit. I'd like to get a new one. So as much as we can get the experience right for the customer on the first try – we can give them a better experience and help improve the bottom line for the business. So it's mostly people ask, talking about the product. If they are asking questions, how does it fit? You know, what kind of return policy do you guys have? If I don't, if it doesn't fit when it when it gets here, is that in stock still? Or even, you know, the thing that always surprises our our social media marketing team is, you know, we'll put up a, an ad on Instagram. Advertising, uh, you know, jeans or a blazer. And then, of course, we get questions about what are those shoes? What's that watch? What's that hat? You know, so our team's at the ready there to make sure everybody knows what the full rundown of the outfit is. That's a lot of the reactive stuff. Talking about product dominates the conversation. And uh, a couple of years ago, we started to play with proactively searching for trends within fashion that we knew our guys were into things like raw denim, joggers, boat shoes that uh, just to find conversations where guys were talking about this stuff and join them, chime in, start to participate to let them know that we were interested too. And that's evolved to not just talking about fashion directly but talking to anything from Sriracha to Bob Ross. So You guys saw that that Twitch was running that marathon of Bob Ross Happy Trees videos for hours and hours and hours
2: on end last week. I managed to miss that one.
0: (laughs) It was, uh, so Bob Ross came back, he was trending for a little bit.
2: I'm not too yeah. sure who Bob Ross is,
0: should I ask? Oh, no. He's a painting instructor, and was really popular on public television in the States during the uh, the 80s and 90s. He'd just tune in and he would talk you through, you know, okay, we're painting this landscape today, just very soothing, very calming, and then if he accidentally dabs something, he'd say, okay, no, it's all right, it's all right, it's not a mistake, you're just going to make a happy little tree there, and we'll keep moving on kind of a cult icon that the internet embraced over time and this marathon that twitch ran the kind of flavor of the week in terms of what kind of uh, stunt media thing is happening happening online they drew millions and millions of viewers and even started a campaign on twitter to try to keep the marathon going after they had scheduled it so last friday our social engagement team started running a proactive search for a few bob ross related tweets and, and just started to engage with people, and even ran the marathon in our office a little bit to just to create this shared experience with our guys. And I was incredibly excited about that because nobody on our team was saying, this will be great, this will lead directly to X amount of orders or this many sales. That wasn't on anybody's mind at all. It was really just about, our guys think this is cool, they're excited about it, let's go find them. And let's just let them know that we also think this is a cool thing that's happening right now, and let's engage with them on it. What we've learned from uh, the past few years of getting into those kind of conversations is that it can lead to some traditional ROI. As we started to get our arms around what the impact of those seemingly irrelevant conversations are, right, not relevant to the brand, but relevant to who our guy is and and what interests him when he's out there engaging on, on Twitter and, and what he wants to talk about, you know, going back and, and tracking conversations with those guys and seeing, you know, how many new users did we get? How many new orders did we get? And even at a very rudimentary level, it costs us a fraction of what our acquisition team puts on to a new user or a new order in terms of cost per customer, in terms of cost per order. Not only that, but exercises like that keep our team super engaged So that when we're, I think you guys have both seen that social volume can be, can come in peaks and valleys. And if we're in a valley, I want to have a way for them to stay engaged, stay active, not get complacent and, and, you know, keep their practices in good shape. If you're only waiting until there's a problem to talk to your customers, then that's, Not indicative of a good relationship, really any relationship. If you wait until there's a problem to talk about something, wait until there's something wrong to get into a conversation, you know, that's not sustainable. I've never seen a relationship that's sustainable like that, whether it's B2C or B2B or, or a marriage or a friendship or family, you have to find those moments where you can, you know, check in when things are good too and find common interests. So, you know, Dan, this is something that came up at the very end of the, the conference where we met in Brooklyn where, uh, we were all i think that was that last session talking with uh you know reps from twitter coming in like what's the next big wave and and they really were pushing this idea of finding those non-brand related moments where businesses can engage on a human level that's not necessarily about making a sale but just about improving the the quality of life or quality of experience for their customers you know like if uh I think the example they gave was if somebody's traveling out to Hawaii, no matter what hotel they're staying in, you know, if you're able to catch that moment and say like, oh yeah, you're going to have a great time out there. Check out this restaurant. It's really great. You know, it's, it's not, there's no direct relationship to saying like, Hey, come buy our product. Right. We're brands. It's implied that if Jack threads tweets to you about anything that we'd love for you to buy some jeans, but we're more successful at it when we come at it in a human way. And if somebody says, I think one of the examples I saw this morning, looking through our feed, was somebody saying, "I fell asleep last night talking to the phone my, with my friend about raw denim." Kind of mad at myself. And you know, our team tweets back at him, "Don't be mad. You know he doesn't. He's not talking about us. He's talking about raw denim." But there's Jack Threads in there, laying like, "Yeah, it's awesome. It's good stuff. You should be passionate about it. That's okay. That's cool."
2: How do you go about training for that? So I think <laughs> things you've said already that make. Training seemed like it would be quite an endeavor for you is you've talked about how you guys view yourselves effectively as marketing And so the importance of talking in brand voice is incredibly important The knowledge of the product knowing what the hat is the shoes are the trends are etc The pure play customer service stuff. So the, the the sizing the returns that sort of stuff and then this proactive piece What does your training program look like for the team?
0: One of the biggest challenges that we always have to overcome is getting everybody into the headspace that it's okay if these conversations turn into a little bit of back and forth. They should. That's how friends interact, right? That's the way social media is meant to be used. So that's a challenge that your best associates need to overcome if they're in that space of saying, like, I'm going to help the customer and then help them move on with the rest of their lives. Like if you're on a phone call, live chat or email, you got to think like that. Social's different, you know? I mean – it is more about continuing the engagement and keeping the conversation going. And uh, while you want to be efficient and, and close the loop for the customer, you know, letting them know that we're never really done, and we look at this as an ongoing relationship is is a big part of it. That, as you like, you point, that's kind of the, the pure play philosophy, and it goes into the the proactive and uh, the engagement piece as well. But as far as setting expectations for these guys, they have more to go in with than just. Hey, find people talking about boat shoes and and chat with them like you would to your friends, right? have borrowed pretty heavily from Gary Vaynerchuk's Jab, Jab, Jab Punch. The methodology there is that if you're uh, you're hanging out in a bar and you sell watches and somebody across the bar says, like, man, you know, I, I, I need a new watch. This one's not looking so good. If you just turn to him and say, like, I sell watches. You want to buy one? That's kind of creepy and weird. It's not a great way to approach a stranger. And he equates that to a roundhouse punch. And then a lot of brands on social are still in this place of just sending out lots and lots of roundhouse punches, just trying to land the sale, land the sale, land the sale, land the sale. And no boxer fights like that. Or if they do, they don't last very long. You got to come out and throw some jabs. You know, you're not going to win the fight on a jab, but you're going to learn something about the person you're interacting with. Same thing. You're out of the bar you don't just jump right into you know sidling up to somebody and say let's be friends no you kind of feel people out you know you listen for people with common interests and if you and if there is one and you see an opportunity to engage then you just start there so that methodology helps our you know our team get used to the idea that like this is really is just about lots and lots of these little quick jabs and see how the customer responds the acting methodology plays into that as well, so that we can make sure we're being specific with it, right? Because if all you do is send out lots of tweets or, or or jabs that don't necessarily have a lot of meat behind them, people are, are tweeting about things that they like, and we just say like We like it too. We like it too. That's great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. There's no action behind it. You know, there has to be something that we're trying to get this customer to do. Are we trying to get them to laugh. Are you trying to get them to cringe. Are you trying to get them to you know re- retweet what you're saying. Are you trying? How do you want them to respond? It's kind of a combination of that methodology that that Vaynerchuk puts out there, which has served us really well, and some of that acting technique that, you know, puts it into an action-biased place, right? Like, you need to think about what you want from this person beyond just a sale. Everybody's out there trying to make money. That's different than building relationships. Acquisition is about making sales, and that's not really what this is about. Ultimately, yes, that's what the business is here for. We're here to sell clothes. But we can only do that if we hold up our end of the bargain to the business and create real relationships with our customers and engage on a human level. So those are kind of the two prongs of the training, right? The Vaynerchuk jab, jab, jab bunch and then that acting piece that figures out, you know, what's the human way to do this?
1: We're talking with David Tull from Jack Threads and he's been giving us some great advice on how to train agents in social media customer service. It sounds to me like you were talking about really customer experience theory in the sense that you put the customer in the center of your marketing efforts. And when you were saying that you've got to know what you expect of the customer, I think that's something that's really – it's an important takeaway because – a lot of brands are still in my opinion using social media as a megaphone channel and they're mm-hmm. out there shouting what they think people want to hear. That's doing the opposite of what you're saying. That's ignoring or not thinking about what the potential response, you know, the desired response is. So I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it and if you take all of your marketing and put that and put it through that filter, you probably end up with a lot better content that gets more engagement. So speaking of that, I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit to ask you, so all this great stuff that you're doing and this philosophy, how do you then measure it on the back end? So what kind of KPIs do you look at?
0: We have some traditional KPIs around response time, because at the end of the day, if we're talking to someone about Bob Ross and there's another guy over in the corner wondering where his order is, that's not a great look. So we got to make sure we're taking care of the bottom line first. So we do look at KPIs like uh, response time, and sentiment, and uh, you know are we converting negative conversations into positive that sort of thing we really are with the primary KPI we look at to make sure we're, we're holding up our service level agreement with the business is uh, getting an average response time within an hour and, and right now you know our, our SLA is 60 minutes and we're really we usually perform closer to, uh, to 30 or less but as far as the engagement pieces go sentiment is one of the best ways for us to track a day to day week to week KPI on how successful we are like like I said we're still getting our arms around measuring a direct ROI as far as cost per order cost per customer you know if, if there is an acquisition piece to this what does it look like we know that a certain amount of these end up converting into new users or, or new orders, at least with a certain amount of probability. So in a way, it is more about generating the volume. And when we're working with the team and setting goals for them, it's letting them know what our expectations are, right? Like if, if we're sending somebody into their shift as a social agent, making sure they know, hey, like, you, we need to see you get this many proactive opportunities in too, in addition to you handling the traditional service inquiries that you're going to see. So that helps us make sure we're getting the the quantity that we want to cultivate a healthy conversation with our customers. Keeping an eye on sentiment and response time helps us make sure that we're measuring quality in
2: there as well. Awesome stuff. And David, we always like to ask, especially now you do so much proactive work with Jack Freds, we always like to ask about memorable interactions that you've had with your customers. I was wondering if there's any that really jump out to the forefront of your mind. Yeah,
0: the ones that jump out the most, honestly, are when we talk to customers who anybody anybody in the industry will say like, "Oh no, just don't engage, don't engage." They're trolling you. you are not going to try to. You're not going to turn that person around. But people who are hating, getting into those conversations, that's where the most memorable stuff happens. The best use case we have for that are customers who are they're listening to uh, Pandora and they got their station on, and all of a sudden an ad for Threats comes up, and they'll take the twitter and say like man that really interrupted my flow or or that sort of thing or so we've actually taken to responding back to some of these customers when they're complaining about these ads popping up not in a malicious way but you know sending gifts of of homer simpson backing up into the bushes embarrassedly or or uh, some indication that oops they uh, got called out on that a little bit my favorite example of that though is we had a a promoted post on on twitter for a while it was a floral shirt flamingo pattern and uh, somebody who's actually a writer for BuzzFeed, you know, sent something out like, man, if I see that Flamingo shirt one more time on, on Twitter, I'm, I'm going to go find Jack Threads and burn them down. And we found the most absurdly weird, glorious gif of this woman dancing with a Flamingo, very sensually. You know, it was a little, a little weird. But we sent it to her with the tweet, you just made the Flamingos cry. And she wrote back immediately and said, okay, this made it all worth it. You know, And she thought it was hilarious, retweeted it. So those are the ones that stick out to me the most the times when there's that party that says, ah, just move on to the people who love us. But you have a lot of fun when, when people are taken out, there, getting out there to complain about things that you can't necessarily control from customer service. Like somebody doesn't like a commercial. You know, we can. It, it's, that's a difficult thing to apologize for. But if they're taking the piss out of us, maybe we can give a little bit back. And generally, weirdly enough, people respond pretty positively to it and engage
2: back and start to see the brand as a little more human. I love that you just dropped the little English sign in there for me. <laughs> I can't help it, man. Yeah, Dan, are you confused about taking the piss. Does that make sense to you?
1: I missed that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's one of those brilliant British phrases that I just can't think of an American equivalent, taking the piss out of someone. It's just like, I don't know are you poking fun of me, bro? I, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't cut it. That doesn't cut it. It's something that I think Americans need to adopt universally. It's just that good of a phrase.
1: That's awesome. Well, we also like to ask people towards the end of the interview, if they have any advice for others that are either getting started in social customer care or trying to improve and, and get it to a better level, and sometimes the way people think of it is if you you know, were talking to yourself a few years ago, what would you tell yourself that you know today that you didn't know back then?
0: Yeah. I think there's still this residual feeling around the social customer service that we're exposed, that because these conversations are happening in public, yes, there, there is more risk and the stakes are higher. My advice would be rather than see that as a, a liability, see it as an opportunity. The stakes are higher. Good. Jump in. Show your customers what your team is capable of. That way, even the service interactions become a marketing opportunity for people to come across. I mean, you know, how many folks are going back to a brand's Twitter page to, you know, evaluate them as a a place that they want to do business? But that's that is starting to grow and not across all social media Uh, has been for a long time. And there's an opportunity for you in there to keep yourself honest, to use that transparency to your advantage. That can absolutely be scary, and it's one of the benefits we have, like I said earlier, being born social that it's a little less scary to our leadership than it may be to other businesses for for whom this is a a new experience. But I think it's necessary, Dan, if I learned anything that uh, in Brooklyn last month, it's that we're no longer alone in this space. I mean, three or four years ago, Jack Threads was really super cool for engaging with his customers on social and And treating them and providing a social first experience where we weren't trying to drive them offline and say like, yeah, email us. Yeah. Call us. Yeah. Chat in. I mean, I'm seeing brands, not just like Hyatt, but regulatory industries as well, really getting into some of the same stuff that we're doing. So the level of competition has increased and the need to embrace social wholeheartedly as an engagement channel and to be excited about it and to take that risk and the potential vulnerability and Use it to make the brand human instead of try to avoid it and shirk it. Uh, that's where we've seen the most success. And that's where I'm seeing other brands who are jumping into the
2: marketplace that I didn't see three or four years ago doing it. That's where I see them having success too. Absolutely. And, and it's funny, David, I agree completely in the sense of it feels like the expectations there now, you know, for brands and consumers, it, it doesn't feel like a surprise when you get a response from a brand on social now. Mm -hmm. And yet the data that Jeff from Twitter shared on this podcast and at the conference we were at is that something was about 60% of brand comments don't get responses from brands on Twitter still. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely growing, but there's still, I'd say, a lag in the majority of brands with their ability to actually scale and and, and scale in a timely manner against it for some reason. And and to be blunt, I think that's why Dan and I are doing this podcast to try and help some brands Mm -hmm. through that at a very basic level, if you're treating it like a cost and you're not responding to the
0: positive conversations, you're not engaging, if you're just responding to the problems and not cultivating a positive conversation, then yeah. you're demonstrating to your customers that, yeah, you guys are a cost and we're going to figure out a way to, to manage the questions that you have. And that's it. No more. Whereas if you're getting involved in some positive conversations and thanking customers and that 60 percent you're talking about, Dan, and, and you're getting in there to the conversations that, that aren't as maybe traditionally high value but, but getting after some number of them like you said it's it's just the expectation now that you're going to hear back from a brand a you if you start talking about them
2: absolutely well listen with, with that i think we'll wrap up Um, david really appreciate you joining us tonight it's super interesting hearing your perspective and you were as good as i was expecting so thank you very much
0: yes. Yes. <laughs> no my pleasure hope it all comes together well it's, it was, it's been it's one of those long weeks heading into heading into peak season but lots of good stuff happening Awesome. Great. Thank you, David. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast presented by Social Media Today. Be sure to tweet your thoughts and nominations for other brands to be featured using hashtag FOCS and follow Dan and Dan on Twitter at DGingus and at I am Dan Moriarty. See you next time.